This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We will recap UFC Fight Night 183, Thompson vs. Neal, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts, discuss the news this week in MMA, and last but not least, our first annual JLT Best of the Year Awards 2020. Here we go. All right, here we go. Just like that podcast, episode 40. Is this episode 40? Yeah, episode 40. Wow, end in the year in episode yep, 40. I think so. Last last episode of the year, no card to preview, but we got some awards. But we do have a card to recap. However, before we get to all that, we'll start as we always do with our take of the week. And as always, Ryan, take us away. All right, take of the week this week. Ben Askren should be cut from the UFC immediately to minimize future embarrassment on the organization if he loses to uh, Jake Paul in a boxing match. Breaking news, by the way. Yep, breaking news. So yeah, if you haven't heard, Ben Askren and Jake Paul are apparently going to be going to be boxing. Um, I don't know. I haven't really seen much on it. I don't know if they're like if this is approved by Dana or, or what the deal is or if it's co-promoted or what, because I, I would assume Ben Askren would need to have some type of permission from the UFC to do this unless he's going to be part of those 60 cuts, which, you know, he very well might be. You probably think he should be. Um, yeah, I haven't thought much about this one. I'll say that uh, the whoever's in charge of the other, the YouTube fighters um, planning, this is probably the best target to go after, probably the worst hands in the UFC um, but pretty durable guy. So, uh, I don't know if I've really thought about the breakdown much. I still got a little faith that he, that, uh, Ben Askren can just tire him out and maybe take some damage. And then when he gasses out, maybe just, you know, kind of slap box him to a decision. I don't know how much, uh, how invested I'm going to get in this or how serious it is, but, um, yeah, you don't want to be a UFC. You don't want to let this kid beat a UFC fighter. Beating a bum basketball player is one thing. You don't want to you don't want to lose if you're if you're the UFC. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just going to be completely embarrassing. Imagine all these goons what they're going to be saying if he beats a UFC fighter. Like, it, it's going to be ridiculous. Like, and he's picked, you know, the weakest uh, gazelle, as McGregor would say, in the herd. So he'd, uh, you know, he's, he could get slaughtered here. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I would like to think Ben Askren. You know, he's been training for how long for yeah. uh, you know training stand up but then you see him fighting stand up and His he bad. doesn't look like it so yeah his stand up's I mean, bad it, it'll be interesting his stand up's bad and like his you can't really hide not really being able to throw a punch and uh who else does it look bad for um he was a bellator champion and a one champion so um yeah this isn't one to lose i'm not saying i think ben Ashton's going to lose i uh, i'm pretty split i'm pretty I d- he's, it's not like he's a good puncher or anything, but I just, it's like, I feel like if you got in the ring with all these guys that were good fighters all these years, you should be able to have some sort of strategy, even if you're not really like a, any type of puncher, but his standup is not good. But yeah. But his strategy we'll see what happens with take that. him, take him down as soon as possible yeah. and, and hit ground and pound. So that's not an option in this, in this case. So he might be yeah. in some trouble. Yeah. I mean, like I said, maybe durability, you can take enough shots to the head that you, uh, 
he gasses and you don't? I don't know. Ben Askren loses. We'll have uh, Terry back on to just roast him for an entire for an hour straight for the entire episode. Yeah. Uh, one underrated thing, though, I think the trash talk will be good. Ben Askren's probably like a perfect counter counter trash talker because he like doesn't like uh, Jake Paul's like into like sitting in a Lamborghini and all this stuff and like Ben Askren like drives a smart car and like wears flip flops and dresses like a dork. So the trash talk will be good. Um, I heard Bisping was in the was in the running for this. That probably would have been a better choice. That that trash talk would have been good too. But I mean, really I don't know why. Better, if you're, I don't know. Better choice. The whole thing. I'm just. I'm just completely it, on a. Yeah, if they're trying to make it somewhat competitive, then Bisping would absolutely whoop him. So I mean, it wouldn't even be. Yeah. Like this might actually be a somewhat decent matchup. It's something that you could actually discuss at least. Like Bisping. He, yeah. He's really good at stand up. So. He would uh he would absolutely crush Jake Paul with one eye or with probably with no eyes. He could be blindfolded and probably beat him. He got his knees replaced recently too, so he'd be he'd be one eye, no knees. But yeah, he'd definitely matter. win that. He's I think he still works out pretty hard. Yeah, so uh we'll see what happens with that. Um I'm kinda undecided about how sucked into this stuff I'm gonna get because part of me is like, who cares? It's kinda funny. And the other part of me is like it's kind of uh embarrassing for the sport. But um I don't know. Being uh being like a uh grumpy old man about it is kind of sucks so we'll see where it goes um but i think it could be kind of funny i don't know i think ben Askren would be a good guy for the job mcgregor's just not going to respond first of all that's stupid second of all he's in the middle of fight camp so that was the stupidest timing ever to try to call him out like he literally can't say a word because he's got to be focused on poor so anyhow yeah i mean let's hope it doesn't happen but if it does happen huge huge embarrassment for the ufc they better get that they better start um bracing themselves separating themselves just in case it does so uh i do agree with you there yeah i mean it's it's not going to be great either way even if they cut him and he goes out and loses it's still going to be nobody's going to say bellator and champion one champion it's you know nobody cares about them it's going to all come back to you know beat ufc fighter you know ufc contender ben Askren. so it won't yeah it'll be a bad look (laughs) but at least if they They cut him it's it's not quite as he got cut yeah, he did? they picked the right guy. I'll just I'll just say they picked the right guy for the job. Oh, Ben Askren already got guy. cut. What's that? Ben Askren oh, already cut from the UFC. Oh, I thought you said he got. I don't cut. know. Oh no, no, I just said they picked the right the uh, the YouTube gang picked the right guy for the job. No, I don't know. I I'm pretty sure he's probably still under contract. Um, yeah, he did get his hip replaced, but we'll see where it goes. I'm sure this will be a developing story. So uh, probably won't be our last time we talk about it. It's supposed to be like March 25th or something like that. So, again, it'll, be, it'll come up more than once. Is it going to be on the undercard for the Floyd Floyd oh, versus the no. other Paul brother? I don't think so because I think – isn't that in jo- January or February? Uh, I, have no, I have no clue when it is. I just assumed it, it would be. It would be like the co-main or something. No, I don't think so because I think that this one's supposed to be like March something. Um, so hmm. I think it's a couple months after the Floyd one is just, that one's just really stupid, but I don't know. You got like an army of teenagers that'll pay for anything these kids do. So, um, cash in, I guess if you can, but All right. I hope, I hope he doesn't lose, but the only, the only highlight to him losing would be, uh, you get to, uh, you get to make fun of Terry. Oh yeah. Love making fun of Terry. <laughs> we got, we got, uh. We got pros and cons on both sides. So anyhow, 
Move on to my take of the week, MMA related or more UFC related. I'm going to say within that same time period, between now and March, I think we'll have a a new two-division champion. I think Israel Adesanya will win the second, win a light heavyweight belt um, before the first quarter of the year is over. I think probably early March would be my guess. I think he, I think the fight with Jan Blachowicz is the only fight that makes sense. I was thinking about no champions lost their belts this year, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. Um, probably one of the first times that's ever happened. And uh, yeah, I was I thinking feel, next year, who like were the we, one? We didn't see that many of them fight, though. I don't, maybe they all fought. I know. It just it seems like seems like it no, was there uh, the, a slow year for uh, title fights. Oh, it definitely was. There was definitely not. You, I mean, think about it. You don't want the best fighters. We didn't know how long it would be without a crowd before they finally would be like, okay, screw it. We have to put some title fights. We have to put some good fights together. And uh, so it took a while. Like I thought they'd probably hold out Asanya out as long as they could. Or for good, like that fight with Costa turned out to be a little bit of a dud, but the buildup to it was about as big as any fight in recent memory. So, yeah, I mean, but nobody lost their belt. So I was thinking this next year, who do I think the most likely suspects to lose their belt are? And, I mean, obviously I went straight to the 205 division, probably one of the weakest champions we got is Jan Blachowicz. No disrespect to Jan, but um, you got the belt because John Jones gave it away. Which was a mistake looking back, because we could have had John Jones versus Adesanya at 205. But I think he moves up. To, I think Adesanya moves up to 205 first couple months of the year, wins that belt pretty handedly, and uh, we have ourselves our fifth two double champ. Would that be it? Yeah. Connor, so. Amanda Nunes, Daniel Cormier, Henry Cejudo, Israel Adesanya. That pretty much cements your legacy then as the uh, as one of the all timers. So uh, that would Sixth, be though, a right? BJ Penn. I don't know because I thought wasn't Connor the first one simultaneous though. Uh, he wasn't the first two division champ there, but yeah, it was first simultaneous. Yeah, yeah, yeah simultaneously because exactly. he'll still have his middleweight belt. I was talking about being the being a champ champ. So that was a. I think that'll be the first fighter to lose their belt, and I think it'll be. Um, champ champ the first double champ in a long time so that is my take of the week I wanted to get it in early before uh before the heat start before that starts heating up yep yeah I I agree probably yeah All probably right, so on there. would be my guess uh, I'm trying to trying to think of a few other ones that might be any other to lose any other belts. easy targets on uh, the- I think possibly Maybe Volkanovski. I could see him losing his belt. Um, yeah, I could see it. Uh, yeah, I could see Volkanovski losing his belt. Um, honestly, Stipe. I could see Stipe yeah. losing his belt. He's getting old. Um, definitely, Rematch with uh, Francis. Yeah, Francis could beat him. I mean, John Jones could beat him. Yeah, he's getting up there. I could see him losing his belt. Um, yeah, I would say Volkanovski, um, possibly, or Stipe, or... Yeah, probably Jan's the most likely, but those those might be some uh, some underdogs to to lose their belt. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I was trying to run through. The only thing about Stipe is he probably won't fight again for a while, or if he does fight, he'll probably only fight once. He doesn't fight that much, so. Um, no, he needs to I think fight. Think Jan will often, be. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely does, but. Um, 
Yeah, so I think uh, that's what that's what I thought. I think it'll shake out, but I will definitely see belts change hands a lot more this year. Plus, Khabib's belt's going to be up for grabs. Um, so we'll definitely see more belt moving this year, but um, I think that'll be the first the first belt to go. So otherwise, we can move on to our recap now. Um, we did have a good card this last week. No belts on the line, but we had a possibly. Possibly a career on the line for Stephen Thompson up at the top. We'll get to him last. We'll start at the bottom of the card and work our way up. First thing we had was the uh, the Teflon Don Tefan versus uh, Jamie Pickett. Uh, two contender series guys. Tefan was fighting his fifth fight of his life, fifth fight ever. Um, Jamie Pickett, I don't know what his record was. Um, but this one went to decision, right? Uh, yeah, it went to decision. It was a... It was a pretty good fight, pretty back and forth. Defon, um, Defon looked good. I mean, honestly, I was surprised. I hadn't seen him fight yet. Um, I didn't see him in contender series or anything, but uh, he came out there and for being such a big guy, he uh, monster. Yeah, a he's monster. huge, and he, you know, he conserved his energy pretty well. I mean, he was kind of uh, running, you know, kind of running the fight, um, not having uh, too much uh, coming back from Jamie Pickett, but um, yeah, I mean, he just looked good. I mean, I'm interested to see him uh, progress in the division. Uh, I think he's someone to keep an eye on. Uh, and uh, just this fight, like, just Bisbing is just absolutely awful, dude. He, I hate <laughs> that dude. I kind of was going to call him out a little bit, but I kind of go off on him here. In this fight, he went nuts about Jamie Pickett rocking Tafan and landing a five-punch combination. And then you could tell they weren't hitting him, but then they do the slow-motion replay, and the first punch lands. It, it was a decent punch, but, I mean... Bisbing was acting like uh, Tafan was out on his feet, and he was nowhere close. He got hit. He wasn't rocked at all. And um, and then he's like, and he follows it up with a five-punch combination, blah, blah, blah. Then they play the re- replay right after that because it's towards the end of the round, and he landed the first one and missed the rest, the other four. He just didn't, he didn't even hit him again. So it was, it's ridiculous. He's just an awful broadcaster. He just tanks every broadcast. He's getting worse. On, I feel like. Oh, yeah. He's getting worse. Oh, yeah. He yells. He just talks. He says stuff that doesn't happen. I don't know what he's doing. He just interrupts everyone. He's he's annoying. He's hard to understand at times. Do you remember? He, do you remember the Ecuador card from two years, almost two years ago? Mike Perry and then I think Valentina Shevchenko fought on it. I remember texting you something about like, like noticeably how bad Bisping was or something like that. And you're like, yeah, usually he's pretty good, but probably didn't have a lot of help or whatever, whatever it was. And ever since then, I've just noticed like a steady downhill. I'm telling you, it, uh, his. Uh, his like Gordon Ramsay has gone to his head. I don't know how else to put it. Like, but he's gotten he's great. He's good on the desk, or bad good on the table, or at the desk or whatever. The up up top, bad in the booth. But yeah, he uh, he's just kind of loses it out there. Plus, he yells at the refs when he wants them to stop the fight, which is just dumb. Yeah, no. I don't know if he did that this week, but yeah. I mean, I felt like Tafan was in full control of this this fight the whole time. I didn't think Jamie Pickett was that good, or maybe he was overmatched. Um, line was 335 for Tefan. I'm only saying his first name because his last name is like Nachukwi. Nichuk-Nichuk, Something. And they were know, saying it a certain from way. From Cameroon. I, I, I was trying to listen, Same. but I was listening on my phone, and I couldn't I couldn't get it right. So, I just yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm down with saying Tefan. Tefan, Don, Tefan. Yeah, Cameroon, same country as, uh, as so. Francis. Yeah, Francis. I don't know what's up with Cameron. So he's got the, and just everyone is just completely he's, ripped. 
Yeah, he's got Francis strength. They're from the same. They're built. They're built different, but they're both the same as each other. So yeah, I mean, he. I felt like he dominated that fight. I'd be curious to see how good he can really get because he does move kind of lumbery and he's big, but um, only his fifth fight, he looks pretty good. That's a big spot to be in. So uh, we'll keep an eye on him. The guy's a monster. So um, if nothing else, he'll be kind of a freak show going forward because he is huge. I don't know how he makes the weight he makes, but he does. Um, next up, we had Jillian Robertson versus uh, Talia Santos. This fight did not go uh, – picked the right winner in this one, the underdog Talia Santos. I did not expect expect this fight to go the way it did. I thought Talia Santos's way to win this fight would be to keep it standing and uh, basically kickboxing, ma- kickboxing match against a wrestler and just dance all style on her kickboxing. She dominated her on the ground. The whole fight was basically ground and pound. I think she won every round. Spent the whole fight on top, other than getting an armbar sunk pretty deep in her that she eventually got out of. Um, she she pretty much dominated this fight, and she closed as a plus one twenty five underdog, so that was nice. But I uh, didn't expect the fight to go this way. Didn't expect Jillian Roberts Robertson to get basically out wrestled and out grappled. Yeah, like I said, you know, <clears throat> I kind of expected her to kind of bully her, just use her strength. She's bigger, and she she looked a lot bigger out there versus Jillian Robertson. She uh, her top control was good. Um, Jillian Robertson didn't really have much to offer off her back and, uh, yeah, she dominated the fight. So good to see that one. Yeah. We had, we had Talia Santos on that one and she came through and, and it wasn't uh, much of a sweat either. So that's always nice. No, other than the armbar, armbars are always live in women's MMA. <laughs> yeah. Also every, I mean, let's be honest and I'll, I say this halfway joking, but every girl fighter from Brazil is on steroids. So Maybe the guy fighters too. So you can always uh, expect a little extra juice from uh, from the Brazilian fighters. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. They're all just jacked out of their minds. Like I've never seen anything like it. And they're the only ones like that. So uh, I don't know how they're doing it, but um, that's my theory on it. But uh, next up, we got Anthony Pettis and Alex Morono. Again, this was Anthony Pettis closing as a big favorite. Um, Alex Morono plus 175 i i didn't think he'd give anthony pettis any trouble at all i don't think he really did um i felt like pettis here this was the last fight on his contract i felt like he just took a fight that he thought he could win going into free agency didn't look great landed a six spin kick kind of finished off in style big time and um honestly put on a good performance for his last fight in the ufc yeah i mean it was a decent performance. I wasn't that impressed by it. I mean, I think he should have been able to completely steamroll yeah. Alex Morono. And he kind of let, I mean, Alex Morono was, I think he won the first round. He didn't, you know, but then he consistently looked worse and worse throughout the fight. I think he started getting tired and he wasn't cutting the cage. He was just walking Anthony Pettis down and Pettis was circling out every time he got close to the cage. So, um, but yeah, I thought Morono won the first round, but then he didn't look too great the, the last two rounds. But he also didn't look terrible. I mean, he was getting pieced up a little bit, but Anthony Pettis, this is, you know, this is your last fight on your contract. You're looking to go get a big contract with another organization, I guess. And, and you don't really do anything. One, one decent spin kick and, and it's kind of just a lackluster performance. So, I mean, I, I wasn't very impressed with Pettis' performance and you think, you know, last fight in the UFC, uh, you want to get some hype going before you, uh, make the change over to Bellator give people a reason to, uh, transfer over and watch you over there. And uh, and you don't you kind of just uh, kind of just go out quietly and yeah so I thought I thought he needed to do more in that fight. 
Yeah, go over for go over to Bellator for your rematch with Benson Henderson. Um, yeah, yeah. Like there, I said, I, can, it, you know, you can put on fights like that all you want over there because that's how almost every fight is over there. Yeah. So basically, breaking news as of not long ago, half hour ago or so, he tweeted that he's pursuing free agency, going to check out other deals. Um, Twelve years in the UFC, but he's going to um, leave. Um, have to assume it's probably Bellator. Could be PFL, I don't know. But, like, a uh, thing with Anthony Pettis is, like I said, he didn't start out great in this fight. He did land a, that spin kick that uh, put Morono on, like, dancing legs. Um, Pettis is just an effort thing. I think it's – he when he was the champ, or leading up to his championship run, he was he looked awesome, great. And uh, since then, it's just been a guy with a lot, of, a lot of tools, but maybe not all the effort, quit in some fights or whatever, had some unfortunate injuries – but um, just always been lackluster ever since then. Uh, freak knockout of Wonder Boy was probably the highlight of his career since being since losing the belt. But um, yeah, I mean, you've come to just to kind of expect this from Anthony Pettis' performances. He still carries the luster of the Showtime kick. That's that was literally ten years ago. Like I don't know what fr- last Friday that was ten years ago to the day. So, um, but twelve years in the UFC, he's moving on. Um, got himself a win at what cost I don't know definitely fought the weakest competition we've seen him fight but 210 favorite got the job done and uh, he's moving on so from there we'll move on to Marcin Tybura versus uh, Greg Hardy this fight finished as a straight up pick on minus 110 apiece Um, I picked Greg Hardy did you pick Tybura I don't remember um um I don't think I really had. I kind of had a pass on the fight, but I thought it was going to go to decision, which it did not. Um, Hardy no. looked uh, looked awful there. And, oh my god, uh, he looked good he in first round. Out. I couldn't believe it. I mean, literally, just basically, he's like a turtle. He's basically a turtle out there fighting. If he lands on a shell, he just he submitted. He basically submitted to strikes without submitting. He put his hands over his head and he didn't try to move. I don't think he was getting yeah, hurt or anything. And he. He looked good on the feet. Like he's making he's making yeah. big improvements in a stand-up game, but that's only going to get you so far in MMA, especially when you're going up against guys like Marcin Tybura. I mean, Tybura not a striker, so I don't know if he just thought he had the takedown defense to be able to keep this on the feet or or what. If he just think this is heavyweight MMA, we just stand and bang. Like it's not <laughs> the case against everyone, buddy. Uh, you're going to come up against Marcin Tybura and he's going to take you down like you have to, it doesn't seem like he's working on 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 the ground at all you know it, he's not even he has no way to get up once he gets taken down it seems like he just kind he of gives uh, up. he gave up yeah literally just gives up when he got to the ground so i mean i don't know if it was a combination of exhaustion and not knowing what he was doing if it was that he just doesn't know what he's doing at all or um or if it was just pretty much exhaustion and he just needed to get out of there but it was something and uh and it's it's tough to see like you see that he's got potential, but his window's closing quick. You know, he's getting older. I don't care how good of an athlete you are. It is heavyweight, so you got a little more time. But, I mean, you're never going to, you know, you're never going to make it anywhere in the UFC if you can't, if you can't go to the ground. you like, you got to get your conditioning under control, and you got to get, you got to get better on the ground. That's it, or there's not really room for you. You're just going to be kind of a, a prelim fighter. Like, you, they might keep him around if he just, you know, wins every other fight or something and but i mean he's not gonna get I think they pay like, him quite a bit yeah quite yeah exactly so probably won't be i mean maybe he makes that up and people who want to watch him but people are gonna you know the 
allure of Greg Hardy's fighting MMA is gonna, you know, that's wearing off. Like, so you got to show something with your performance now. Yeah, and I think they are in a tough spot with him because I think when he came into the UFC, it was like let's build him up a little bit, kind of a villain, build him up, and then let's get his let him get his ass kicked. Everyone wins. But then he kind of hung around a long time. He beat some guys they didn't think he would beat. Um, looked better than I think they expected him to look. And, uh, and then his loss was just kind of an underwhelming loss. He basically got – he didn't get knocked out cold. He didn't get it, He didn't get dropped or anything like that. He just kind of like – he was just exhausted. The way he was breathing was like almost alarming. I know he has asthma because he's used his inhaler in the octagon before. But he was like – that was the heaviest breathing I've ever seen a human do. Uh, so yeah, like you said, he better get his, uh, cardio under control and then start working on a ground game where he, yeah, he's, there's no real future for him. I should have checked the weigh-ins. I didn't think, I didn't think Tibero was going to be as close in size to Greg Hardy. He's not as big as Greg Hardy, but I didn't think, I thought Greg Hardy was going to be able to just basically, uh, manhandle him. I thought he was going to look like a giant standing next to a little fat guy. And, uh, it wasn't really the case, so. Um, I did get that one wrong, which sucks, but I don't think Greg Hardy's just going to be a pass for me from now on. I've actually cashed a few good bets on Greg Hardy because he's come through a few times, but um, the blueprint's out to beat him now. So yeah, and people are going to use it. I mean, there are some guys who oh, are going to yeah. stand there and strike with him, but you know, for the most part, people are going to—they know what they got to do to win, and they're going to—they're going to do it. Yeah. You know, especially these the young guys that he out. fights or, or guys that don't have as big a name. Like, you want to get a win against Greg Hardy, so you're going to go out there and do what you need to do. Yeah, for sure. So, Greg Hardy, setback. Marcin Tybura continues his winning streak. And uh, we both lost our fight goes to decision bet, but it is what it is. Move on to Marvin Marias versus Rob Font. Um this Mar- Marlon Marais is cooked, man. He's done for. Another guy, that was one of the guys I thought would win. He was a minus 170 favorite. I was a little apprehensive to bet against the New England guys because they've all been fighting so well. Calvin Cater, Rob Font. Um, I think they're training partners. They're kind of on a run right now. But um, I still felt like Mar- Mar- Marlon Marais, when he looks good, especially the first couple rounds, is usually a machine. He's dangerous everywhere. I think he's just cooked, man. I think he's just done for. He looked bad. He uh, he he didn't look horrible. I mean, they had a good exchange. I felt like Mar- uh, Marias tagged Font, but then it didn't take much for Font to tag him back and then fin- put him away pretty pretty quickly after. Great fight for Rob Font. I think he jumped way up in the rankings. Marias fell in the rankings to like seventh or eighth. So uh, I don't know what you think is going to happen with Marlon Marias, but I don't know either. Uh, he's going to have to basically reinvent himself or he's basically cooked. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's. I've I got a bone to pick with Marlon Marais. I mean, I had an eight fight parlay, twenty five to win, one thousand three hundred seventy dollars, and he he's the only one who blew it for me. We went seven for eight, so he's uh, he's on my shit list right now. Um, but uh, it's kind of my fault. I I didn't I don't know why I put him on it. I it was a tough spot, you know. Rob Font, he he's a dog. He's a good fighter. He's gonna come out there and give it his all. I just figured Marlon Marais, you know. He's had a few fights not go his way, but they're against the best in the world. You know, Rob Font, good fighter, but he's not hasn't shown that he's elite uh, so far in his career. But I I knew it was a close one. I just thought you know Marias would take it, and and he didn't. You know, Rob Font came out there and dominated him. So yeah, 
Marlon Moraes, he needs to make some some drastic changes. You know, he came into the UFC, dropped that fight to a sunsaw, which a lot of people say was a bad decision, but it was a close fight regardless. But after that, he went on a he went on a tear and he looked like a world beater. Um, yeah. And uh, and since then, since he's lost, I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know what it is, conditioning or what. Chin's gone. If he's not training, what? But he just he doesn't have something. He, he's not. He doesn't look like the same fighter out there like he was. He was just finishing fights, extremely confident. And uh, and it looks like he's lost, you know, lost that confidence that he that he had or something, and it's just not getting done. So, hope hopefully he gets it back. He's an he's a really exciting fighter. Those kicks he gets up there so quick, you don't even see him coming. So, I would love to yep. see him get back uh, get back on a roll again. But at this point, it, it's not looking good for him. No, it is not. That was uh, that was one I, that was a spot I missed out on too. I also had Marlon Morris. I felt good about Marlon Morris. You know, I. I thought about Rob Font, and I thought about, you know, he's a tough guy. Uh, that he's him and Cater, him and Calvin Cater, and then his New England guys have been on a big run. You see sometimes where gyms get a lot of momentum, an entire gym can get momentum. And I was like, that's almost felt like a trap to me compared to fighting a guy like Marlon Marais, who's fought the very best of the best and had some really good fights. Um, three round fight too, so it wasn't like I really had to worry about Marlon's gas tank going. He just didn't look good. He came out really, really flat. I thought when Sandhagen kicked his ass, I thought maybe I just underestimated Sandhagen, and actually he's faster and more powerful than I thought. Um, I guess I underestimated Rob Font too, but I think uh, Marlon Marlon might be on the a pretty extreme decline in his career. Yeah. So um, it, it's crazy in MMA. Like these guys can go from being at the top of the mountain one day to just completely losing, yeah. and you can you can slide down that mountain real quick. And uh, it's 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 a you know, a way faster, more drastic decline, I think, than almost any other sport. You know, it seems like boxers can Two hang fights. around a lot longer, like, you know, but in MMA, like, you just lose one step and, you know, and you're just, and you're done. It's crazy. One bad, a couple bad months, one, especially with COVID and stuff, one bad, I mean, what's it been? Three bad months for Marais? He lost a couple months ago and then he lost again today and now it's like, or he lost again on this card now it's like what's next for him is he done for good i mean he just beat aldo well i guess it was a year ago but that was two fight three fight that was his third fight i mean won that fight and then lost loss and now it's like what's what's next for him is he done for good and uh yeah i mean it could, as be, of right it could now, be four losses in a row because a lot of people think he lost to aldo so yeah lost to Hudo, that questionable win over aldo then lost to sanhagen lost to rob font so yeah, I mean, and but he looked good that, against Cejudo until he gassed. He beat Cejudo up pretty bad for one round. Yeah, that's true. That was just an adjustment thing. So that that almost played into my that type of stuff almost plays into me like, I mean, this guy was beaten up on the best of the best, ended up gassing out. But I mean, you know, it's just like you said, it's just you you the decline can be so fast um, a year later. But we'll see what happens with him. Um, I don't think he's done fighting by any by any stretch of the imagination, but we'll see if he can kind of regather himself. Because when he's on, he looks like he does look like one of the best, but these last couple of performances have not been that. So from there, we'll move on to uh, Michelle Perea and Chaos Williams. I know we disagree on this one here. I thought Michelle Perea did enough to win the fight. He did get the decision. Um, Chaos Williams. Landed more significant strikes, which surprised me how many more. I didn't know it until I actually looked up the stats. Um, pretty much everywhere I looked it was divided right down the middle on who they thought won this fight. 
Uh, KS Williams finished as a 125 favorite. That must have changed. I thought Perea was a favorite at one point. Anyhow, yeah, it was pretty much um, like pretty much dead even for most of the fight, or most yeah. of the most of the time Did, that uh, I didn't know Chaos must have late money must have come in on Chaos Williams. Um, for me, watching the fight, I felt like Perea was in better control of the fight, and I thought he was uh, he was dictating the fight a little more, and he looked like he was a little more um, in the flow of the fight. Um, Chaos was just throwing basically counters, which I didn't realize how many of them landed. I don't even remember him throwing leg kicks, and he landed about 30 of them. So I was a little wrapped up in it. I did have a bet on Perea, so don't trust me. But um, <clears throat> I thought Perea looked pretty good. Fight didn't end up being like the knockout banger that I, everyone thought it would be. I almost bet this fight to go to decision because you almost, with some regularity when you get these these super matchups, sometimes they just don't deliver that monster knockout that people think. They were definitely tentative towards one another. But uh, we ended up getting a decision. Michael, Michelle Perea decision, I think, two rounds to one. And um, I was good with it, but I do definitely understand anybody that thought Chaos edged it out. Um, like I said, I looked at the uh, the official journalists, which who knows how much you can trust those guys, but um, it was like 20 of them, and they were like 11 for Perea, 9 for Chaos. So everybody was pretty much divided down the middle on this one. Yeah, I thought I thought Chaos won the fight personally scoring it, but um I knew that the judges were gonna give it to Perea. Um basically what I saw is I saw that uh Chaos was walking him down kind of. He was controlling the center of the octagon, but and he was he was cutting the cage really well, but he was just moving like he was moving slow. He wasn't making any quick movements. He almost looked like Yeah like he wasn't you know he looked like he didn't had no urgency but he was throwing and landing more strikes at the same time uh prey was backing up the entire time but was constantly fainting constantly moving um constantly switching stances which gave off the impression that he was doing more than he actually was um you know and chaos was actually doing the exact opposite he was almost moving as little as possible just moving slowly um you know cutting the cage making sure he was kind of uh control in the octagon but not didn't look like he was doing a ton meanwhile you got prey over there jumping around fainting like crazy and it looked like he was doing a lot more when in reality chaos was landing more strikes so i thought i thought chaos won the first and the second round uh but i i just knew that they were going to give it to Perea just on like the visual aspect of it like was that Perea was doing more even though even though he really wasn't you know yeah and he he finished the second round with a choke. He was he was on he got onto Chaos Williams back and he finished the round with a choke. I don't know yeah, how deep like it was or anything like that. Left. Yeah. And I to me that means nothing because it was like, okay, I know there's ten seconds left. I'm gonna jump on his back. You know you're not gonna get a submission in that quickly. But uh he did finish that. I don't know how much that played into it. Um I he was throwing that front kick. A lot, you know? It could I mean that could very well could have been the deciding factor because I thought Perea definitely won the third round. I thought that uh, I did think Chaos won the first round. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that could have been the factor of, of the whole fight. Um, I thought he was going to get himself knocked out throwing all those front – he was throwing front kicks. That was that was where Chaos was really capitalizing. Every time yeah. Perea threw a front, pick, he, front kick, he was just countering with a monster combo. And uh, he kept throwing and he kept eating them. And uh, that's what was really scoring for him. Like you said, he just – he was he, I don't know that he was timid, but he was almost like – he was almost too in love with the with countering 
I don't know. It just didn't look like he had any urgency. Again, I was very surprised by the uh, final significant strikes uh, margin because he outlanded him by like 20 significant strikes over the course of the fight, which I thought it was either dead even or even maybe Perea landed some more just because he seemed busier. But like you said, a lot of it could have been the feints and the stance switching. No backflips, though. Disappointing. I think a lot of people were no disappointed that there were no backflips. But uh, you're fighting better competition now. I don't know if either of these guys will take a huge step back. Uh, Chaos taking a loss, Michelle Perea taking the win. I don't know if he'll really catapult forward too much. Um, almost a, a fight that didn't exactly live up to the potential, which seems to happen. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, in the end, I don't think it was a terrible fight or anything like that. It just didn't live up to the uh, potential. It was good matchmaking, but sometimes these things just fizzle out. Also, kind of uh, it's kind of crazy that the UFC, and I, I give them credit for this, they... the Chaos Williams is basically like a newborn star because he's just been flatlining guys. Michelle Perea basically like a newborn star because he's doing backflips and now he's winning fights. They just throw them together right away. They don't try to pad them. They don't try to protect them. They uh, they try to strike while the iron's hot. So I, I give them credit for that. This one didn't turn out quite as uh, explosive as we thought it might be. But um, nevertheless, I give them credit for throwing these guys in there together and seeing what happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean... Granted, there was no huge fireworks in this one, but I mean, I thought it was a good fight. Still, I mean, I was on the edge of my yeah. seat. It, it just looked like it seemed like at breath. any sec, at any second, Chaos Williams was going to land that bomb, and he almost did a few times. Perea's got a decent chin though, and and Perea just looked like you know at any second, who knows what the guy's going to do. So, I mean, I was on the edge he's of my seat. He's also I massive. It was, yeah, he's huge. That's that's the one thing. Chaos Williams is a big guy, and Perea is an absolute monster. I think he fought like at 220 before uh some catchweight fights and stuff so he he's a monster um and uh and yeah Brazilian. i thought it was a good fight i you know i think there's like when you're fighting two guys that you know can do that much and when prey has got to be you know watch out for those giant you know that huge power that there's only so much you can do so but um i thought i thought chaos came out i thought they both looked better than i expected honestly which uh made it uh more tactical you mean fight so yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we hadn't really seen anything technical out of chaos. He'd basically just been a banger to this point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was timing his counters. He, I, I thought it was a technical fight. I was holding my breath the whole time as a guy who bet on Perea because I thought, I like how Perea looks. I like how technical he looks. But he, if he keeps throwing his front kick, he's going to be asleep soon. And uh, didn't end up getting caught. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like both of these guys. But Michelle Perea, he is, he is massive for the division. Also Brazilian possibly on steroids, um, but um, that's a un, uh, un, 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 unverified claim. So we'll move on, though, to uh, Jose Aldo and Marlon Vera. Cheeto Vera. All right, Jose Aldo, your lock of the night. Cashed another lock of the night, JLT lock of the night. With ease, relative ease, Aldo looked great. Um, he won the first round easily, possibly lost the second round, close close round, whatever, dominated the third round. Um, Cheeto Vera did the wanking off sign or whatever because he couldn't get uh, Aldo off his back. Um, threw a super cheap elbow after the after the bell or after the uh, yeah after the after the fight was over. Yeah, dude's a scumbag. He was mad. Yeah, He's a I piece mean, of shit. there was a time when I was. Basically, Cheeto Vera acted like he won. He won the heavyweight champion of the world when he beat Sean O'Malley by leg kick. I thought that was kind of whack. 
I thought Sean O'Malley's reaction to losing was whack, but I also thought that Cheeto was acting a little whack too by uh, the yeah. way he took Cheeto the, took the victory. Cheeto won by a fluke KO, and uh, yeah. like, you know, it's it, it's a fluke. Like he can say like he was targeting all he wants. It, when that happens, when you shut off somebody's leg with the with a kick like like a low kick like that, that's a complete fluke. There's not you can't plan on that, and it's just and if you win that way, it's just you should you know. No, as such, and take your money like a normal person. Take your money and go and say if he wants a rematch, whatever. It's fluke, like. But you act like he acted like he's like some skilled fighter who can target the uh, the nerve <laughs> in your leg that shuts it off, and uh, he's got some death touch there, and like he knows what he's doing. It's like you're a fucking loser. Like look at him, he's a scumbag. He he is, and that elbow goes to show it. Uh, he's a poor, he's a you know bad loser, and. And yeah, he he sucks. I I don't like him. I've never liked him. I it always annoyed me how much everybody's always talking up, talking him up, talking how great he is, John Anik and stuff. Uh, for my money, he's like future champion. No, he's not. He he showed exactly what he is. He's a you know he's just a journeyman, a and he's gonna forever be one. So yeah. See, I was a little worried that your hatred for him maybe clouded your judgment on the JLT lock of the night, but you hit it right on the head. Um, you, uh, Jose Aldo ended up closing at minus 140. I was hoping for like a minus 120. I don't know. I don't know really. I, I didn't know what Jose Aldo had in the tank. Considering it's a three round fight. Minus that, 300. <laughs> well, the way he fought it, it, it really was. He was ripping body shots. Um, Three-round fight also. I You don't see Jose Aldo in that many three-round fights, so I didn't even factor that in. He's always solid for the first three. So um, yep, he did look, look good, fights though. He, lost. It, he didn't really start losing the fight until the end of yeah. the third round in most of them. So, yeah, when I, when I saw yeah. the three-round fight, I knew that was going to benefit Aldo. Um, yeah, and Aldo to the body, like you said, I mean, he might be the best, um, you know, look better than anyone in MMA going to the body. Like those combinations he throws to the body are so crisp. Those little hooks that he throws to deliver. Yeah. Man, he, he looks good when he throws those punches. Like so quick, looks powerful. Um, yeah, like you know, it's uh it's nice to watch him when he when he's fighting like that. Absolutely. Yeah, the Jeremy Stevens body shot knockout is one of the best to watch body shot knockouts to watch. But yeah, great win for Aldo though. Um this was Cheeto Vera's chance to solidify himself as an actual possible contender, and he uh, he got somewhat somewhat dominated. So uh, he'll probably be back down. Maybe he'll get that rematch with uh, Sean O'Malley. Who knows? But uh, we'll move on to our main event now. We had Stephen Thompson against Jeff Neal. Um, we both had Wonder Boy. Uh, this was to me one of the easiest underdog caches of the year of the entire year. Um, didn't actually. 103 for Wonder Boy, Jeff Neal minus 117. Um, Jeff Neal's tough. He's got he's definitely a good fighter. Definitely belongs at the top of the heap. But um, Wonder Boy is just on another level. Jeff Neal's not a wrestler. He's not a ground game guy. If you're gonna try to outstrike Wonder Boy, you got one chance, and that's to catch him and put him away like Pettis did. You're probably gonna get your ass kicked or at least tagged up until that point. And um, I think with the Vicente Luque fight, we realized Thompson's still durable. Maybe that Anthony Pettis knockout was kind of a freak knockout. And uh, Jeff Neal landed some shots, uh, cut him up pretty good, but wasn't able to land anything uh, substantial to him. And uh, Wonderboy dominated the fight um, 50-45. So 
Great fight for Wonderboy, 37, 38 years old. I think he's still got a run in him. I think he, I mean, maybe one fight away from the a, a, a belt, a title shot maybe. I don't know. But uh, he was almost forgotten about to this point. He kind of had uh, fallen back. And uh, Jeff Neal, I think he'll be back sooner than later. But uh, this is a probably a more of a learning experience than anything for him. But underdog money on Steven Thompson. I loved it. Um, this is probably my biggest bet of the night. And uh, felt good cashing it. Yeah. Yeah, looking back, like I should have bet more. This seems like an absolute lock. But, you know, previous, before the fight, hindsight's twenty twenty. you know, we, a little bit worried about his chin, but looks like he can take a punch now. I mean, he's just, he's Jeff, he's everything Jeff Neal is, but, but better. I think we said that on uh, last week's episode mm-hmm. and, and it came true. Like you saw him out there. He's, he's, he's a master at, at what he does. He gets out there and he gets it done. And, you know, some, some of his movements and stuff in the cage are just, are unbelievable. He's able to just, you know, oh, yeah. turn out, circle around the cage, constantly move. There's one point where he kind of like ducked under and just completely, and just circled and was on the other side of uh, of Neil before he even knew it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he he just looks really good out there. He looks like he has a run in it. I think he's a little farther away from a title shot than a lot of people are saying. I think he he needs at least two more wins or one really good win. Like, um, let's see, who would he need to beat? Um, you think two. if he got another matchup with Masvidal and beat him again, he wouldn't get a title shot if Gilbert Burns, and or especially if Usman beats Gilbert Burns, and Wonderboy beats Masvidal, and Kamzat beats Leon Edwards. Or if Leon Edwards beat Kamzat, he's pretty much out. Leon Edwards is out of the picture because if you beat Kamzat, you beat the number fifteen guy. Big deal. If Kamzat beats you, he's not. He shouldn't get the next title shot. I don't think. Maybe they would do that. I don't know. But if Wonderboy can beat Masvidal in the meantime, which would be a rematch, yeah, maybe. I mean, I would think I, he would I'd, be. I'd like to see. He should like have a pretty Wonderboy. good. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him fight Colby Covington. I think that's a, an interesting yeah. fight for, for Wonderboy at this point. He hasn't fought him yet. I'm not interested in seeing a Masvidal rematch. Um, I don't think it goes much different. Um, I know everybody yeah, thinks that's Yeah, I, I just picked this. it because it was favorable. Yeah, I, I don't think people, you know, people are all on the hype Masvidal train. They've been on him for a while. I, I just don't think he's as good as people think he is. Um, he's got hot at the right time. Um, he beat. Nate Diaz, who's way bigger than, um, but he didn't really beat him as a doctor stoppage. So, but um, yeah. So I think I think a Colby Covington fight would be good. Colby Covington's a pressure guy. It's gonna leave some openings for Wonder Boy. Um, but and he'll you know, it's it's actually a really good style matchup as well. So uh, I yeah, think that'd I think, be a fun. I think fight. I agree. Yeah, and I think Wonder Boy's takedown defense is better than better than you would expect. Um, I don't think. Uh, Tyron Woodley, who doesn't usually he doesn't wrestle that much, but he he didn't really have any, any success taking him down. Um, he did 10-8 him twice by two different judges in two separate rounds, and that's the only thing that's stopping Wonder Boy from being a former champion at this point of his career. So uh, he let that one slip away. So maybe he's got one more run in him. I don't know, but um, he looks. I mean, hit, I, I I wouldn't think his style is one that would last forever because it's so dependent on quickness, cardio footwork seems like that's all the stuff that goes out the window first but i mean the way he does it he looks as good as ever so um, plus he looks like he's he looks like he's 25 yeah he does not look 38 40 years old like yeah he looks he looks yeah exactly looks like he's in his 20s maybe early 30s at at most like 31 32 
Yeah, he looks like a youngster. Um, way too nice in there, though. They, they should tell him, like, stop giving your opponent, like, like knuckles in the middle of the ring. Like, stop dapping it up. Like, he stopped fighting because uh, uh, Jeff Neal's mouthpiece fell out. I know. the And the, yeah, the Darren Till fight, the Wonder Boy versus Darren Till fight, it was hard to watch. They were giving each other. After every Four time they landed sparring. a punch, yeah, they'd give, they'd let, Someone would land a punch and they'd give each other a hug every time afterwards. It was like, it was fucking awful. I'm like, come on, dude. Like, we don't need to give each Too other nice. knocks after every punch. This is insane. I think Underboy is that nice, though, because when they clashed heads and they clashed heads hard, I saw it happen, saw the whole thing happen. The look on Wonderboy's face, he was so sorry that that happened. The first thing he was going to do was he asked Jeff Neal, are you okay? Like, that's the first thing he did after they banged heads. And he was bleeding, too. What a night! Like, it's like a spar. It's like he's sparring with his friends out there, and he's like, I, the look on his face was like, oh crap, whoopsies, we accidentally just banged heads together so hard that like I'm bleeding, bleeding it over my eyes now. But are you okay? But Jeff Neal's a nice guy too, though. But anyways, my point is almost it's almost too nice. Like you said, you you don't want to see him hugging and um, shaking hands after every every um, exchange. It's almost like a um, uh, cowboy. Cerrone always wanting to be friends with the guys he's fighting out there. And it's like, sometimes it's just like, it's almost like it's like some, it's what they want to be friends with the guy they're fighting. It almost helps them. But I think, uh, I think wonder boy is just a nice guy. I think cowboy just gets sad when people beat him up and uh, he wants to be friends with them. So I think it's for different reasons, but for both reasons, I don't like to see it. Yeah, exactly. So that is it for our, Last recap of the year, this was UFC Fight Night 183. This was supposed to be Kamzat versus Leon Edwards with Thompson Neal on the, as the co-headliner, co but um, it ended up being a good card. I thought this was going to be a really tough card for picks. We all ended up doing really good with picks, um, except for a few spots. Greg Hardy for me and Marlon Marais. I was pretty much perfect on, on, on the night. I mean, not perfect because I missed two picks, but other than those two, um, so finish the year on a good note, I'd say. But um, good, solid card to finish out. The I, I don't know what they said, twenty-five cards in a row or something like that. But um, that is it for though for our recaps for twenty twenty. So feels good. Nice. It's been a been a long stretch. Oh yeah. We haven't gotten any better at shortening our recaps, but that's okay. We're consistent at least. Um, yeah. Move on to our segments, though. All right, so we'll start with our first segment. Isn't he awesome? You, you know, you, you know what, you know what Connor told me. He says I want Khabib in Russia. <laughs> Is he fucking awesome? He's like, I want Khabib in Russia. Yeah, Connor McGregor is a fucking unicorn. There's nothing like him, and uh, he's, 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 he's working on boxing Floyd Mayweather, and then he's talking about Khabib in Russia right after. It's just, those are the kind of things that make that kid a fucking superstar. You know, I got guys telling me, eh, I don't want to do, 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 you know, fucking, I don't want to fight this guy, and I don't want to do this. I want Floyd Mayweather, and I want fucking Khabib in Russia. How do you not love him? How do you not love Conor McGregor? Um, I'll start off. My isn't he awesome is going to encompass the whole 2020, and that can only go to one guy, Dana White. Brought back sports, brought back the UFC. 
dropped a killer hype video bashing every journalist who, who called him out by name. Um, Five-minute hype video, how he brought back sports. Um, just typical dunking on your dunking on everyone who doubted you. I love it. Everyone's everyone. A lot of people are calling it like unprofessional, crass. Um, a lot of other things that they say, but it's just tip, It's just right up his alley. It's right up his uh, personality. Uh, I mean, I he brought back sports, and they're still trying to deny it. And he's not going to let them forget. So they had their moment. And now he's having his. Um, 2020 was not a good year for a lot of people, but I think it was for Dana White. Yeah, agreed. Definitely, uh, you know, came out there, brought sports back when everyone else was uh, was afraid to. So, got to give it up for him uh, to him for that. Absolutely. And uh, so I'll take it away now. So my isn't he awesome this week? It's gonna be the vets, the U- the vets of the UFC. You know, they've been having a a tough run, and uh, and this week they they came out and showed why they're veterans, and you know, showed that they're here to stay. We got Jose Aldo. We got Wonder Boy and Anthony Pettis, um, like, you know, the three big names, uh, three veterans on this card, and they all go out there and get wins. Um, you know, a lot of these guys lately uh, in their position have been losing, so it was good to, uh, good to see them come out and, uh, and you know, beat these, uh, these young up-and-comers. Yeah, it shows, it shows what experience does for guys. Um, we've seen some not-so-favorable matchups for the vets. Obviously, last week we saw some some vets get their heads taken off other than Cub Swanson. But uh, this week it was definitely in favor of the – I think that Stephen Thompson being being 38 years old was a big as big of a part as anything of people thinking maybe he was toast. Um, he looked as good definitely. as ever. Um, Jose Aldo, has he ever really faded? He just looks – he looks dead on the scales, I think, is what is the problem with, with Aldo. And he looks sad when he loses. So that's oh, – I so think those sad, are the two – <laughs> if the clo- like I've never cried for it during a UFC event, but uh, the closest I've probably ever been is during all the losses. Like it's it's very depressing. Like it just I'm not, just like I'm going to bed, man. This is uh he this looks is tough. Yeah, he looks like he's done for good. He looks like he's retiring in 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 the fetal position. Oh yeah, he gets um, down on his knees, uh, curls up. Yeah, into a fetal <laughs> position, hands in his uh head in his hands, crying in the middle of the octagon every single time. It's just like, oh man, it's tough to yeah, see. It'll ruin your night. Oh yeah, yeah, it's ruined a few of mine. And then, and then you think he's done for good, and then he comes back. He's never really faded. He just looks. He's fighting ten pounds lighter than he used than he was the champion. Like, he's not really slowing down. So, uh, definitely he's still not. got he, it. He um, good in this one. Yeah, and Anthony Pettis, I feel like he just kind of picked an easier opponent to go out on a good note. Uh, not that Alex Morono sucks or anything like that. He's not bad, but um, he got it done, though. 12 years in the UFC. Champion, it seems like forever ago. But, um, yeah, they got it done this week. So Dana White and the UFC vets. Hopefully not too many of them get cut, though. I yeah, don't know who. I don't, think, I don't think any of these. Well, Pettis is out, but. I don't think Aldo and or Wonder Boy are on the chopping block no. by any means. No, you know who else is not on the chopping block that I thought could be? Deron Wynn. I don't yeah, know why. The what's the point of even Well, I guess I should yeah, he won, but I guess he I should have never been concerned about him getting on the chopping block because he is uh DC's boy. So but he signed oh, yeah. a four fight contract today. That's why I brought that up. Oh wow. And I guess he you could say Marcin Marcin Tibera is a vet too. 
uh, compared to Greg Hardy for sure. And he came out and true. got the win as well. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, so there was uh, the vets got it done. All right. All right, we'll move on to our call out then. Fuck that. Conor McGregor, you're taking everything I work for, motherfucker. I'm going to fight your fucking ass. You know what's the real fight and what's the real money fight is me, not these clowns that you already punked at the press conference. Don't no one want to see that. You know you beat them already. That's the easy fight. You want that real shit right here. Hey, and I'm not Unfortunately, we can't talk like that on Fox. I'll go first. Uh, my call is going to be in the same in the same vein as my Isn't He Awesome. Calling out the MMA journalists and their reaction to the Dana White hype video. Did you watch the video? I sent it out in the group chat. I don't know. It's like five minutes long. But, I don't think I have yet, uh, but I'll check it out tonight. No, you need... You definitely need to watch it. Like it, it almost looks like an ISIS documentary. He puts the pictures of the journalists and then high, like puts like puts like a black and white highlighter over their faces. <laughs> um, Ariel's in it. Uh, I think he purposely left Luke Thomas out because he knew it would have made him so happy to be in it. But he put Luke Thomas's partner <laughs> in it. I forgot his name. Every single one of them, every single headline. I mean, it's this thing is elaborate. It's awesome. Like it's a full blown it's a full blown slam dunk, but their reaction to it now is uh, that they just wanted to get safe, make sure he had safe protocol, and once he had safe COVID protocols, they they were supportive, which is that's a complete lie, that's a complete revision revision of history. They said that no one should be playing sports and everyone should be at home, and that he was only doing it because for pure greed, and I, none of those none of those claims are even remotely, and they're not even re- realistic. And then they complained, well, look how many people got sick in the process. But that's also not realistic because that's like saying, look how many people got sick. Look how many NBA players got sick in their offseason. Like, you don't have control of them. The only reason you knew they were sick is because when, the, when they get to the event, they get tested right away. They test positive. They don't, they don't infect anybody else. So I just they're all, they're all doubling down now or changing history that, they, that they're, the, they're the real heroes of uh, the UFC having a successful 2020 it just seems like I don't know. It's just like they prove him right over and over and over, but it does drive me nuts. So, uh, I mean, we hate him. We've always hated him. We've always been Team Dana, but um, they got they got uh, they're basically butt hurt that they, that he did drop this uh, drop this hype video. It worked perfectly. He's per- he does a great job of antagonizing him, and uh, I hope he I hope he keeps it up. I hope he realizes what a hit this this hype video was and does one like one every couple months now. Yeah, I I totally agree. Like. And yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Like these guys would have gotten COVID whether there was UFC going on or not. So yeah, it, it's like it makes no you know, sense. A ton of people I know have gotten it, and they don't. You know what? There was no stopping it. So it's not like that. You know the UFC's father putting it on or or anything like that. It shit happens. You know they're all up on their high horse. You know they're definitely going nuts and so happy that UFC's back, but they can't admit they were wrong about. You know what I'm saying? They're const- They're employed. Yeah. You guys, what would you be covering? You'd be sitting home on your ass, unemployed, um, hoping the you know the stimulus goes through. So you know you guys should be thanking <laughs> Dana White. Yeah, and it's just they were saying the whole narrative in the beginning was he's got the wrong priorities. He's worried about UFC and fighting when he should be worried about global pandemic. We should all be at home. And he he made a good point. I heard like I heard some college football commissioners making the same point. It's our job to do our job. Like, 
we're not doctors. We're not going to be out on the front lines curing this. Like our job is to find a way, like we have an obstacle, let's find a way to get past it. And he did that. And now it's like, well, we were just trying to hold you accountable and make sure that you make sure that you were coming up with safe protocols. That's not true. They were trying to dox the Jacksonville event. They were trying to get that canceled. They at pretty much every step yeah, of the they way they co- had they all these. To the, uh, they ratted to the governor of California to get that event canceled. Like, yeah, yeah, they were they were just they were just they made up their mind that they wanted to take it down and they tried their hardest. And uh, he got the last laugh. Like, just admit you're wrong. And like, it, they did a good job. They did a really good job. And uh, there was just people are you you don't own these fighters. You can't make them live in a bubble. Like. I, we were both frustrated with how many fights like the Vegas cards were losing, but at the same time, like that's on the fighter who signed the contract to try to take care of himself before he gets to the event. You get to the event, you get tested, you test positive, you go somewhere else. Testing works. The system worked. So, yeah, I mean, I've just been hashing it out with some of them, but it's uh, it's been a, it's just been a, it's like they'll never give up. They're in the wrong sport. Oh yeah. But that's all I got. I'll probably keep harping on them. This is probably the, my that's probably the number one call out I've had the whole year is just how annoying they are. But uh, it was nice to see Ariel in the video getting called out. Um, John McCarthy was in the video. He got Big John. Jeez. They must they must be at odds. But yeah, the video is incredible. The video is like he definitely he definitely had the video team go hard on this one. And uh, nice. I think the message was delivered. But that's cool, all cool. I got. All right, I'll take it away. So my weekly call out uh, this week is going to be music and porn. Uh, you know, when you're watching uh, you're watching a porn and uh, it looks pretty good, you're searching, you're searching, you're trying to find a good one, you finally land on one, you turn it on, and there's a fucking soundtrack going on. There's music playing in the background. You can't even hear the girl. It's just constant music. It's like you start fast forwarding and the entire video has music to it. It's like, I don't, I don't need Hans Zimmer putting the soundtrack to this porn that I'm watching. I just, I just need to fucking watch porn and get on with my day. Who's, who's the person who's putting music to this? It's, it's unbelievable. Pisses me off every time it happens. So just had to go on a rant about it here. (laughs) It's probably the, the younger, (laughs) the younger generation. That's probably their thing. Um, somebody's yeah. taking the time to make those videos too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've but. heard rumors that that happens. Yeah, I've heard rumors that that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every once in a while, I, heard, I had a friend who told me about this. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be. Um, well, good news for you. Um, I think that they, the one of the big sites, the hub, actually had to delete every video that was not like from a official company because like MasterCard and Visa stopped accepting payments, which who's, who's paying, but I don't know, but MasterCard and Visa (laughs) stopped accepting payments from that company because, um, apparently that was somewhat unregulated and they were worried about like, uh, illegal stuff, which if you know what the popular genres are, I would be worried about illegal stuff too, but, (laughs) um, right. Everybody apparently so, wants to fuck their sister out there. Yeah, uh, that's uh, allegedly, according to studies, that's been like the most popular genre for like the past three years, which is incredibly alarming. There's <laughs> there's bigger problems than music videos. 
We don't. We need to stop being selfish. I, I think there's some conspiracy going on. Like I don't. I don't have a sister, so I don't know what it's like. But I. I just. I have a hard time finding that that that's the most popular one. Like they put all the hottest chicks in them for some reason. Like I. I don't get it. Yeah, I am. I am not sure what the. Uh, <laughs> I. I don't. I'm not sure what the. Uh, I also heard, and this I actually heard on Joe Rogan, not from my own personal research or. Uh, academics findings um it was one of his guests said that those that genre spikes massively during the holidays so like right now but <laughs> so there are a bunch of creeps out there <laughs> there's no shortage of creeps trust me cartoon is <laughs> cartoon is a genre that's up there too so um there's no ma- yeah, there's no Adesanya's which we know like watching it i was gonna say we know Adesanya. we know where we know that's popular amongst some ufc even ufc fighters so um, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of weird stuff, but it should be a little more regulated according to one company that I think got in some fairly decent trouble or something. So, um, maybe the music videos will be gone soon. <laughs> Thank God. Sounds like that's shocking. The they ever existed. Shocking <laughs> that they ever existed to be quite it's honest. It's never a but... good song either. Like it's, I've never even heard of the songs before. Like, I don't know if that's like their way to get their track out there. Like let's skip SoundCloud. I'm going to put it on porn and maybe someone will like it. Definitely get some people to listen to it that way. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Are we going to have to put, start putting JLT to porn on Pornhub? (laughs) That's honestly not a bad idea to get some plays. Um, So you might be onto something there, but. I'm not sure. I think there's just a lot of creeps and weirdos that have a lot of time on their hands and like that's their life. Um, I don't know. Like I said, how? Do, what does the credit cards even have to do? Isn't it all free? I don't know, but yeah, someone's <laughs> out there paying. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You can stream about anything, so I don't know why uh, why that would be an issue. But we'll move on from that um, to to our news. Um, we got Donald Cerrone submitting RDA at Submission Underground twice. The first submission I read was an possible like a an accidental or a miscommunication. He didn't he was he was not tapping. He was like trying to pull at something or something. So they re ran it back and uh, Cerrone submitted him again. Always heard Donald Cerrone had pretty good jujitsu. He did armbar Mike Perry. Um, I didn't know what how it would go against RDA though. I don't know what RDA's submissions levels is, but he is a solid on the ground, good wrestler. So um, I don't know if you're surprised by that or not. No, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, yeah, I think RDA is a black belt. I I know Cerrone is really good on the ground though, so it's somewhat surprising. But also, like I feel like Donald Cerrone is like kind of underestimated on the ground, and and it seems like a lot of times when he gets the fight there, he finishes it. So yeah, it's kind of surprising, but also not at the same time. So. Yeah, and um, I never watched Mission Underground, um, but they had some big names on that one. I know it's on Fight Pass. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't really watch grappling, but too much grappling, I should say. I watched some highlights and stuff, but um, they had some big names on that one. I think Submission Underground's getting bigger and bigger. But um, we got a title fight: Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson, rescheduled for UFC 259 in March. Um, I think. I mean, the first one, Amanda Nunes called off for undisclosed reasons she didn't say why she's pulled out of a few fights i don't know i think this is an e- as easy of a fight for her as anything so i don't know what what uh 
I don't. I mean, if the fight happens, I feel like Amanda Nunes probably minus like eight hundred will probably just get the job done pretty quickly. But um, that fight is rescheduled for March UFC two fifty nine. All right, yeah, I'll be excited um, for that one. Always good to see Nunes fight. I think she should should beat Megan Anderson pretty bad. Yeah, I mean the freak show the freak show matchup does make it a little more intriguing. She's like six one. Uh, Amanda Nunes isn't that tall, although she does have a really long reach. But I feel like she just she just beats her up pretty good and uh, yeah, puts I mean, her away pretty quick. They've been trying to get Megan Anderson a title fight for, for oh, a yeah. long time now. So they got she's got two wins now, I guess. So let's throw her in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, after after Felicia Spencer got beat like a drum, they got to yeah. give her give Megan Anderson. So, which I believe that's the 145 division. But I don't mind seeing Amanda Nunes beat girls up. It's pretty fun. She's got a lot of power. Exactly. But we'll move on from there to Dana White confirms UFC 257, Edwards, Chemayev, Holloway, Cater, all happening on Fight Island. Um, so we got Conor McGregor. Poirier confirmed. We got, I think, Edwards Chemayev leads. That leads. This is going to be a three fight, three fight, three cards in eight days. It's going to start off with Edwards Chemayev. Then we're going to have Poirier, McGregor, and then we're going to have Cater Holloway. Um, three fights in three cards in a week, basically, on Fight Island. That's what's going to start off the year this year. Uh, I think it's like the seventeenth, the tw- or the nineteenth, the twenty-third, and whatever. I don't know. It'll come up fast, but so that's pretty exciting. I think he just confirmed that today. Um, back to Fight Island, which is always good. Um, and it sounds like there's going to be no fans for the McGregor fight. I think he was trying to find a way to get fans. I think that's why he put it off so long. I know I heard him say he was going to try to find a way to get fans to the to the arena, but it's, I don't think it's going to happen. Or it's not yeah, like it's not it. going like, to happen. There's people having fans at events like the. Yeah. The boxing match, the Canelo fight, there was like 15,000 people, I think you said there. So it's like there, there's definitely ways to get fans, so I don't know why they're not doing it if that's what they want. So I, I don't really get it. Like, I know they're trying to be safe. Maybe it's a liability issue. I don't I don't really know. But there's people out there. There's events happening. There's fans in the, in the stands. But apparently UFC can't figure it out. So I, I don't know. Well, I heard Dana say he's not bringing back fans until he can do 100% capacity. He said zero or 100%. He doesn't want to do like the spaced out thing. But the Alamo Dome had 15K, and I'll tell you what, those people were not spaced out at all. No, they were all on the floor, I think. <laughs> that was uh, that was somewhat shocking. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure fi- I'm sure the Fight Island production will be pretty cool. I wish on Fight Island they could at least like bring their families and stuff. Maybe we could get a couple hundred people there. That would be better. I I hate yeah. no fans. Like I'm flat out don't. Agreed. It was it was interesting for a week. I didn't even like it then, but it was different. It was like something you obviously never seen before. Now it's just like just do anything, get somebody in the crowd. Two hundred people, yeah, three hundred exactly. people, whatever it takes. We had all these MMA dorks, small venue. Like, oh, I wish there was no fans forever. Like oh, it's so cool to hear everything's yeah. going on. Like shut the fuck up. Let's get some fans back in yeah. there. Yeah. Exactly. We need our, we need the we need the crowd rallying them up. We lost they bring a lot of juice. The crowd brings a lot of juice to these fights. Definitely has an impact. So um hopefully they do get that figured out soon. But it sounds like Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier will not have fans, which is it probably crushes Dana's heart. But it is what it is, and uh he'll have to deal with it. So 
Uh, last piece of news, Anthony Pettis leaving the UFC. We've already alluded to it like several times. He put out a tweet, 12 years in the UFC, he's going to um, pursue free agency. I'm guessing Bellator, probably not PFL, but that's probably the only other possibility. I don't think – I mean, I don't think he'd go to one. Uh, I don't really see any other options. So he's probably, probably, he's probably on his way to Bellator. I think his brother's in Bellator. Um, I guess we'll see him and Benson Henderson run it back for the – the showtime kick. See if he can do it again. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to Bellator. Sergio Pettis is over there, so it definitely makes sense. And uh, you can see him going over there uh, to finish out his days to fight with uh, all those bums. Yeah, and Anthony Pettis' better days are definitely behind him. Like I said a few times, I don't know if it's effort or ability, but he just seems like he f- he had a pretty steep decline he hasn't looked like the same fighter in a long time, even though he shows flashes of um, greatness. But he definitely hasn't been the same. So Bellator is probably a perfect fit. And uh, good luck to him, I guess. Um, but we'll move yeah. on there. We have our first ever JLT 2020 Best of the Year Awards. Um, this will be for the whole year. I think we started our first episode was back in like – I don't even know. It was in the spring sometimes, but um, we will encompass the whole year in this. We'll start off with uh, JLT Fight of the Year. I think we both are going to be on the same page with this one. I'll let you go. I'll let you say yours because I'm pretty All sure right. we're in the same. Yeah, I got I got Zhang Wali versus Joanna Janjicek. Yep, that's it. All right. And let me say for the for the probably at least 100th time, I was there. <laughs> there we go. UFC That's definitely a bonus. Adds to UFC it. UFC 248. Yeah, there there is um, a few good ones, but this is the fight that stood out for me by far. Yeah, there was some competition. I threw um Poirier Hooker in there just as a kind of like that's my second place if anybody's yeah, wondering. I would That agree. was a good fight. All right, we don't have to waste too much time on that one cuz that was a uh that was almost like a unanimous. I think that one's going to get everyone. That's going to be everybody's fight of the year. That was an unbelievable back and forth, like uh, um, momentum changes, just nonstop. Neither one, neither one even seemed to get tired. And then you factor in the damage that both of them had, um, the swelling on Joanna's head. Um, that was just a. Uh, that was not. That was probably the greatest women's fight of all time. So it's obviously going to be the best women's fight of the year. And this year it was the best fight of the year too. So. Um, I think that that one will probably clean house on every awards show. So no controversy there is what I'm saying. Agreed. Um, next up, we got fighter of the year. I got Davison Figueredo as my fighter of the year. Um, I think he had the highest stakes being in four title fights and winning them all, even though one of them he missed weight on. I think he uh, kind of solidified himself as – one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world and um, fighting on two weeks notice and putting up one of the best fights of the year was uh, kind of like the cherry on top. Yep. Yeah. I got a, uh, I got Figueredo as well. Uh, yeah. I just nice. thought, you know, in the biggest, uh, biggest fights and uh, fought the most. Yeah. And, and just looked really good doing it and uh, kind of a breakout year for him too. So yeah, it was the, the year of Figueredo. So, you know, you got the fighter of the year and, uh, Interested to see he had a real close fight with uh with Moreno there, so so we'll see what happens next. Yeah, 
Yeah, he could have a big 2021, too, depending on how that rematch goes. Um, this is where we might start getting into some differences. Got our Just Bleed Fighter of the Year. Um, I I would be surprised if you have the same one as me. I got Dan Hooker for oh, his wow. fight with Paul Felder. Fight with Paul Felder. You forget that's in 2020. That was in February. That was a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. That was an, that was a Just Bleed slugfest, which I actually think Dan Hooker lost. I think Paul Felder won that fight. But nonetheless, it was a Just Bleed um, fight. And then he had his slugfest with uh, Dustin Poirier, which was also Just Bleed, a definite Just Bleed fight, my second best fight of the year. And uh, so he's been in some Just Bleed fights, and uh, I think he... Think he was in the two of the two of the biggest just bleed fights of the year, so I give him uh give him the nod for just bleed fighter of the year. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. I don't have the same one. Uh I got Kevin Holland. Um five fights this year, four yeah. knockouts slash TKOs, and three performance bonuses. So um yeah, he got it done this year. He had a huge year. And uh, and yeah, I, I give him the just bleed fighter of the year. All right, yeah, that's uh he could be up for quite a few awards with the way with the way he had, and he also did like break that guy's neck, so that's kind of a just bleed move. So, um, yeah, nobody nobody did enough to usurp the throne of just bleed Jesus Gaethje. Uh He's still like the all time pound for pound number one just bleed guy. He put in an all time performance just bleed performance against Tony Ferguson, um, but not enough to win the uh, the award for the year alone. But still, the all time just bleed champion. I've got a. Uh... I've got a possible Just Bleed fight of the year that I just thought of. Tony Ferguson, he got his ass kicked. He bled more than any fighter in the UFC this year, possibly. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a Just Bleed guy. Um, yeah, he... <laughs> that was a... That was, the fact that he didn't... Gaethje did not knock him out either. Actually, the reality is Tony Ferguson landed the best punch of that fight. He dropped Gaethje right before the second round ended with oh, yeah, a with huge uppercut. uppercut. Yeah, if that happened 10 seconds earlier, it would have been a different fight. It might even have been over. Um, he might have been able to put him away. But, yeah, he's always a just-bleed guy, though. He's always been a just-bleed guy. He always bleeds. Um, he's definitely a bleeder. So, last fight, not so much blood, just maybe broken bones, but um, total total freak all around. Um, next up, we got our our bonehead of the year. Uh, I'm not, I'll be curious to hear what you have. I have two. I got Mike Perry, sad to say it, Platinum Podcast, but Mike Perry, one of the boneheads of the year, and Spike Carlisle, one of the other boneheads of the year. Two of my guys, two guys I love, but Mike Perry had everything going for him, and then he decides to miss weight and get his ass kicked by Tim Means. Um, looked like a total goofball in the process. Um, didn't even Wasn't even close to making weight. Um, he's got all sorts of stuff going on outside the octagon. Just not a good year for... Uh, for Platinum Perry, who to start off the year and had that perfectly set up fight with uh, Mickey Gall, things were looking good. Looked like uh, the one man show um, was gonna was gonna go go places, and then it ended up it ended up actually falling apart. So that's one bonehead. And then I got Spike Carlisle when he got off of Billy Q with like ten seconds left in the round and just walked away <laughs> and got popped from behind. I've never seen that before. That is like an all time bonehead in the octagon move. So Agreed. those are my boneheads yeah. of the year. Definitely. I agree with both of those. I'm going to go. It was uh, not an MMA fighter, but someone who fought this year, Nate Robinson, um, <laughs> made the uh, transition to fighting and a complete bonehead. Didn't train one day, 
and he got his ass kicked by uh, a Paul brother. So he's going to be my uh, my bonehead of the year. Oh, cannot argue with that. That's even that's even more than a bonehead. That's like <laughs> moron of the century. Oh my gosh, right. ruined. I mean, you had a career. You had, you were known for something, and uh, not anymore. Still known for that was something, a, just not not something you want to be known for. <laughs> yeah, not what you want to be known. For. Nobody's gonna question that being a that was a bonehead all time bonehead move. So, yeah, that uh that one won't probably ever be topped. Unless unless Ben Askren gets knocked out too. Um What's next here? We got our JLT breakout fighter of the year. Um I got I guess you the, I got kind of interchangeable. Kevin Holland and uh Kamzat would be our my breakouts, but uh I'll go with Kevin Holland because I believe Cam, I got Kamzat as my rookie. Spoiler alert, but I think that one's probably a lot of people have would have that one. But uh Kevin Holland breakout of the year. Kind of was uh, an inconsistent at best fighter, not really well known. Um, I don't think anybody really expected his ceiling to be that high. And then, like like you said, with your just bleed, five fights, three finishes, two bonuses, whatever it is, and uh, just uh, I mean, nobody had a better year. He's the COVID king. Nobody had a better year than Kevin Holland. Yeah, I got Kevin Holland as well. So second award going to Kevin Holland. Um, yeah, breakout fight of the year. Like you said, he he killed it this year. Um, had a great year. There was a you know the COVID kings we've been talking about, and uh, he ended up uh, reigning victorious on that for sure. Um, an honorable mention, Absolutely. I got Brandon Royvel. Could also be a rookie of the year, but like you said, I also since we already you already talked about your rookie of the year, I'll throw mine out there as well. It was Cam Zatchemaev as well. Um, who, Brandon yeah, Royvel like could be the rookie be. of the year, but yeah, no, there's no competing with. Cam's that's definitely the rookie of the year. He he took it away, took the UFC by storm and and looked unreal. So, um, but yeah, I think breakout fight of the year, Kevin Holland for sure. It would be closer if Brandon Royval would have won his last fight uh, versus uh, Moreno. Then you know he might have a good. Uh, I might be putting him him up there. But you know since Royval lost, I'm gonna go with Kevin Holland for sure. Yeah, and it's fair to say Royval got closer to a title shot than uh, Cam's at in one year. So. Um, True. definitely give him some credit for that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, rookie of the year, I feel like that's cinched up. That's locked up by pretty much everybody. I don't feel like there's even a discussion there. Um, so good year for, for cams that good rookie year. I also have Joaquin Buckley as a, as a honorable mention for rookie of the year, just because he made his debut like three months ago. Definitely. He got a monster KO and, uh, pretty much, uh, put himself on the map as like a as kind of like a they're they're promoting him like a like a possible star whether he is or isn't I don't know but um I, he's also on that rookie uh rookie of the year honorable mention so then we got um skipped we skipped uh event of the year which I have as UFC 249 when you, when they brought the UFC back to Jacksonville Florida um Justin Gaethje Tony Ferguson Francis versus Jarzinho Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz, and one more. Am I missing one? That might be all of them. But Wait, did uh, Shevchenko fight on that one? Um, I don't think so. There was two titles on the line. Oh, okay. Cejudo I it was three for some reason. But that you're right. That uh, yeah, maybe, Francis. No, no, yeah. Oh, Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater was on that. That was the other one yep. that I was thinking of. And Greg Hardy. Yeah, that was my. Oregon to cash. That was my. That was. 
I think the best event of the year um, brought sports back. First sporting event to come back. Um, 248, I was there. Great event, but the main event sucked. Romero versus uh, Adesanya. Had a chance to take it, but it just didn't. Uh, main event didn't deliver. So 249, though, was a uh, that was a fun one. Yep. Yeah, I I thought you were gonna go with two forty eight on this one since you were there, but uh, yeah, I I went with two forty nine as well. So yeah, UFC two forty nine Ferguson versus Gaethje for for all the reasons you just said. The first big card coming back from COVID, it was uh it was hyped. I was hyped for it. I remember. Uh, oh yeah. There was a there was a buzz going or in the air for that for that card. So and then also I think close second. Um, just because of the, uh, you know, the buzz that was for it was the, uh, the fight Island card. So, uh, the first pay-per-view. yeah, two fifty one. So that one had, a had a lot of, a lot of hype for it as well, but I thought I liked two forty nine better personally. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, the buzz, the personal buzz for me at two forty nine. it was, uh, there was, yeah, you're right. There was, there was anticipation in the air. We didn't know what was going on. That was still kind of the whole Jacksonville thing was kind of like a little sketchy. We nobody knew anything. Like, it was early, early in the process. So, that was a that was a fun one though. And I was at two forty eight. I was there. Great event. Just so you know. Um. Just in case anybody's wondering. Uh, next up, last up, I should say. Well, we, maybe we've got two more. Uh, knockout of the year, GLT knockout of the year. Um, I'll let you say it. We already know what it is, but. Yep. Uh, Joaquin Buckley versus Impa Kasagane. And um, also, I got it. Since that one's just a gimme, uh, I think that's the uh, best knockout of all time, in my opinion. So, But an honorable mention probably would be the knockout of the year any other year. Uh, it would be Cody Garbrandt versus uh, Javier oh, Sansa. Yeah, yeah I, had, I had that one in my notes. Uh, walk-off knockout of the year. That was... Uh... That was on the same card Sean O'Malley had that walk-off knockout, too. That was 250, UFC 250. Yep. Um, yeah, I would say, I would go as far as to say any other year that would have been the knockout of the year. That was a buzzer beater. So that was an awesome, awesome finish. All right, I, I did add one one to the thing. I got my uh, comeback fighter of the year just because I wanted to throw a award to Glover Teixeira for his... Uh, Dominant, dominant performances this year. Almost had him in my Just Bleed, um, Just Bleed Fighter of the Year uh, honorable mention. But uh, Glover was the man this year. Two big wins: Anthony Smith and um, um, Santos. Forty um, something years old, came back. He's just been beating guys down, and uh, it's been a, a real resurgence for him at the 205. Looks like he has a real shot at the title now. So Glover to share is my comeback fighter of the year. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know what's going on here. Someone I think someone's breaking into my apartment possibly, but I'm locked in here in the extra room, so it'll be all right. Um but uh yeah, I, I agree. Tell him you're I'd recording. Go with, uh, yeah, I'd go with Glover as well. Um yeah, he just had a, a great year. Um, you know, he's uh he's aging, but it doesn't seem like it. He keeps getting better and better. Uh had one of his better years. So yeah, I I thought he had a great year, and I'd be excited. Uh, you know, interested to see what he does in twenty 2020, twenty or twenty twenty one. I'm sorry. Uh, I hope he gets a title shot because uh, you know it seems like he deserves it at this point. I don't think he will though, because I like I said, I think Adesanya is going to get first crack at Jan Blachowicz, and then Glover's kind of stuck when Adesanya has that title. But um, 
nonetheless, he maybe he'll just accept the JLT Comeback Fight of the Year award as a as a replacement for a UFC title. Yeah, maybe that'll be yeah, good mean, enough. It might be. We'll see. We'll see how uh, how well these uh, so, awards go over. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So, any other awards you got to give out? Um, I don't really know can't think of anything else there was a lot of fights and a lot of fighters this year like this year of all years there were so many fighters new fighters to come and go like one time see them once never see them again um the events were pretty i feel like the events were stacked as ever i mean the fight the fight quality was as good as i've ever seen it um i don't know like this year is just a blur when I when I was looking for my just bleed fighter of the year, I forgot that Dan Hooker and Paul Felder was even was in February. I thought that was fight was last year. Um, right. It's just yeah. Been, the it's been the a, fights that happened before COVID started just seem like a different time. Uh huh. They seem like yeah. it might as well be five years ago. Yeah, McGregor Cowboy. When was that? A couple of years ago. January, right? Yeah, it was January. But it seems yeah, like it forever ago. Feels like a couple of years ago, right? Yep. It it feels like yeah, that was just like this year has just been the time the timeline of this year has just been absolutely bizarre. So hopefully twenty twenty one is a little more um a little more normal. But we'll see. We're definitely starting off the same way we ended though. We're starting off with no fans, fight island, starting off with a bang, three cards. Won't get fight fatigue, because we're gonna have a three week break now, which I'm actually looking forward to. Don't know when the podcast will be back yet. We haven't figured that out, but we'll uh, we'll keep everyone updated. But um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something here before we end. Putting somebody on notice for 2021. Bisbing, get your shit together. <laughs> we need you to do better on the broadcast if you're gonna be on it. Um, you know, we need you to to do better than we than we saw you do last week. So we're putting you on notice, Bisbing. A few times. Get it done. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, you don't, we don't have to say too much. Just, I would just say my advice to Bisping is just do less. You're doing too much, do less. Do a little yeah, less. less is more. <laughs> That's a perfect way to put it. But All right, so we'll wrap things up. We'll be back eventually sometime in the next couple of weeks. Um, won't be next week. Um, but we'll be back to preview whatever the first uh, Cam Zappers, Leon Edwards, um, Benegrake 2020. Hopefully 2021 is a little bit better, um, but overall we've had some great fights this year. Other than that, everyone enjoy the holidays, and we will see you all again soon. I'm the